Here we go. We're learning about Bechaz Kayanim. And last week, we discussed the Psukim. We learned Rashi, Ebenezer, Rebbeinu Bechaye, and the most interesting thing we learned last week was the Rabag. Rabag explains it very, very you can't use the word mystically because he's a philosopher, but in a very, very abstract way. What's interesting about all of the discussions we had last week is that I'm trying to demonstrate to you how all the Mepharshim were saying essentially the same thing. Rashi, Ebenezer, Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar, Pshat, and Raubag, who speaks about bestowing upon you abstract intellect and different levels of abstract intellect. Abstract intellect which is available on your own is Abstract intellect which is only available to you through the intercession of the Malachim is Yair. And Yisa is if you make a mistake, he'll correct you. It's, it's, it, there's a constant in all the commentaries that we've had so far. They all seem to suggest that the three psukim, Yivarecha, Yair, Yisa, Yivarecha, Adeshem, Vishmerecha, the Ebeshish should bless you and guard you. Yair, Adeshem, Panavelach, Hashem should radiate his countenance upon you, Vichuneka, and effect upon you, Chain, grace, charm. We're not sure exactly in which direction. Yisa, Adeshem, Panavelach, the Ebeshish should lift up his countenance towards you or upon you, Vyasim, Lachashalm, and place upon you peace. All the commentators seem to say the, common, the, the, constant, the, the basic issue. The first Pasuk describes a blessing that needs to be preserved. The second Pasuk decide, describes a blessing that self-preserving doesn't need to be guarded. And the third blessing seems to describe a scenario where something is not good and it also is blessed. Like, like Shuvah. There's a constant in all the different Mephoshim. And what we're going to be learning today is more the same. But now we're going to introduce to the discourse Kabbalah. Until now we learned Pshat, that Al-Bag was real Hakira, real philosophy. Last week's class was Mamish philosophy. This week we're going to learn Kabbalah. I just want to say one short introduction. One of the central tasks that Kabbalah provides is the interpretation of the Shemeth. Interpretation of the Abish's names. Kabbalah has many purposes. One of the many purposes of Kabbalah is to interpret the names of Hashem. This idea that Kabbalah interprets the names of Hashem is true in general, explaining what each name of Hashem means, mystically, based on the Midrashic principle that says that when you daven to Hashem and you want to be answered, you have to know the kavanot, you have to know the significance of the various names of God, what they mean and how they reach into the higher realms and so forth. But in addition, Kabbalah addresses the names of Hashem in a much more complex, in a much more involved, in a much more intricate way. Specifically when it comes to Shem Havai, when it comes to the divine name, Yudke Vovke. Because, as you may or may not know, the letters Yud K Vav K, the four letters Yud K Vav K, can be spelled in four different ways. They can be spelled with Yuds, they can be spelled with Hays, and they can be spelled with Alephs. And the distinctions would be if the divine name adds up to the numeral 72, 63, 
52 or 45. 52 is Begimatria Behema, animal. 45 is Begimatria Adam, man. And in Kabbalah, there's a whole very, very exciting shtudim about the different spellings. If you wrote out the letters, Yudke, Vavke, you can write them in a variety of different ways, and they come to different gematrias. The gematria is the periphery of it, it's the chitonius. But each gematria presents a different level of Ensof, it's a different level, it's a whole different dimension of Ensof. In addition to that, there's all kinds of other intricate details that separate one Hashem from another Hashem. The letters are the same, Yud, Hey, Vav, K. But a variety of different factors changes it significantly. Another example would be the Nikudis, Nikud, the vowels. In our Siddur, the vowels of Yud, Hey, Vav, K are constant. The three letters, hey, vav, hey, are spelled hoi, vav, hey, comments, vav, hoi, vav. means the union of creation. It's not a verb. And the vav has a comments. It's, it's not a verb. It's a noun. It's the thing of creation. What you would call in Hebrew a shaydish, the root of the word as opposed to the, form, to the uh, syntax of the word. The letter Yud is a Shavah. So it's Shavah Yud, Yeh, Dash, Hoiva. This means creation that's constant, present. Hoiva means creation. The Yud denotes consciousness. This is written in Tanya Shariqa Zamuna. We had it recently in the Shariqa Zamuna. I think it's chapter 4 or 5. In Kabbalah books, Kabbalah sitters, you could open up and see Yudke Vavke spelled with no vowels at all. Or with all kinds of strange configurations. Komatses, Patachs, Tzedes, Segels. Four Komatses, two Komatses and two Patachs, two Tzedes and two Segels. Each one of these things is a whole different mysticism. And people who know this stuff appreciate the subtlety of it. But there are essentially, so there's so many different avayas. They represent different worlds, they represent different spheres, or different aspects. And that's why you can't judge avaya by its cover. When you look at Yudke Vavke, what does it mean? In each place it means something different. And you need the Arizal to tell you, Havaya here means this, Havaya there means something else. else. And exposes the flexibility of the four letters. The four letters mean so much. And in every situation, it means something different. All within the realms of Ein Seif. In general, Havaya has three translations. In other words, if you want it to be as broad and as simplistic and as general, as encompassing as possible, Havaya has three translations. The lowest translation of Havaya means creator, which is the one I just gave you. In our Siddur. It's the creation. You said it was a the noun. The perpetual act of creating. Without the Yud, it's the idea of creation. The Yud denotes the constancy of the act. The second translation of Avaya is beyond time, beyond distinction. How everything, the whole creation, including past, present, and future, converge into one single point. This is in convention, the Ein Sof. The third Madreg of Avaya is what we call the name of Hashem himself, Sheib HaEtsem, Sheib HaMasfurish. The Rebbe always would refer to as the name that has no letters. We spell it Yud Kei but in fact, that name of God is really without any form altogether. We use letters and words for us to refer to it, but in fact, it's it really the letters are borrowed; they don't belong. The Abish to himself is beyond any kind of a form.
So there's many, 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 many Havayas. But in general, the lowest Havaya is Havaya has connection to creation. The middle Havaya is Havaya has to do it in self, and the third Havaya has to do it in Shtar himself. I'm mentioning this because remember, what's unique about Bechas Kayanim? What's unique about Bechas Kayanim is not only God tells you to bless, He tells you how. He says, say this, the Gemara says in these words, in Balashna Kaydish and so forth. And he, he invokes three times Shem Havaya. Yivracha Havaya, Vishmedacha. Yoir Havaya, Panavelacha Bechaneka. Yisa Havaya, Panavelacha. Vyasa Bechashalayim. One of the many, many different commentaries that enrich these Tukim is to say that each Havaya means something different. The letters are the same. The pronunciation is the same. The intent is radically different. It's three worlds. Yivarach Hashem Bishmanach is one world. Yod Hashem Panavelech HaVuchanek is a second world. Yisra Hashem Panavelech HaVuchanek is a third world. That means to say, the difference between the three blessings is not only what God is giving you. It's from where in Godliness it's coming. Yivarach Hashem a lower level. Yod is a higher level. And Yisra is a higher level. Okay, this is my introduction. Not everything I said is going to become relevant, but enough of what I said is going to become relevant for me to give you that uh, insight. So let's begin with Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar. In other words, if you've got the staple on your right, you want to turn one, two, three pages. Three pages. On page Lamed Gimel. That's two. On plays on Gimel, you have about eight lines into the page, Vialdera Hakabola. Now I want to tell you again, you'll notice immediately, or almost immediately, that Rabbeinu Bachaya's idea is perfectly consistent with Rashi, Evan Ezra, Rabag, and uh, Rabbeinu, the Pshat Rabbeinu Bachaya. It seems to be a constant in how they understand Bechaz Kehenim. Says he, Yevracha, Deshem, Vishmeracha, translates immediately. Say the brachas ha'ela. The order of these blessings is mimata lamayla, from a lower level to a higher level. In other words, beginning on a lower level of havaya, of godliness, and gradually rising to a higher and higher level of godliness. And he links it to kaseder hakavana b'kabanas, as is the intent in kabanas. You may recall the last year of Ayikra, we learned about sacrifices, about kabanas, and we learned takeder rabbeinu b'chayi, who explained it on The whole idea of kabanas is to reach up to godliness, beginning with the lower level of godliness, and then to rise gradually from there. Says Rabbeinu Bachaya, When did the priest bless the Jewish people? These blessings. He would bring a sacrifice, and then he would say the blessings. It's written by Yevorachim, and he blessed them, by Yedad, and he descended Miaseis from performing the sin offering and the offering that's completely consumed, and the peace offering. And it really means, first he descends to the Mizbech, and then he blesses. In other words, what's a sacrifice? To lift something up to Eibishter. Really, a sacrifice doesn't mean to lift something up to Eibishter. It means to lift this something up to Eibishter to bring yourself closer to Eitzav to Lakus and you meet a Lakus 
That's a mizbeach. Mizbeach is the lowest point in godliness. If for those who care, it's malchus avatzilus. And the whole concept of a carbon is to lift up the animal and the animal within ourselves and the person within ourselves to the lowest level of godliness and from there to a higher level of godliness and from there to a higher level of godliness still. Says the Rebbe, after you lift up, you bless. After you lift up, you bless means you've lifted up the world, you lifted up the animal to higher and higher levels of godliness. Now the godliness is coming back down. It's cascading. It's returning the favor. It's responding. And just as the lifting up of the carbon sends from a lo- first to the lowest point and to a higher point, the blessings follow a similar order. First the blessing comes from the lowest level of Havaya, so to speak. Then a greater blessing comes from a second level of Havaya. And finally a third blessing comes from a third level of Havaya. That's Yivarecha Havaya V'Yishmerecha. It's a different Havaya then. Yor Havaya, Ponevelecha V'Chonecha. And it's a different Havaya then. Yisad Hashem Ponevelecha V'Chonecha. Okay? When a person brought a sacrifice, his first intent was to reach the hay. It's the lowest point in his tassels, the lower of Avaya, the lower hay of Avaya. And then, skip one line. From the hay to the vav, that means bina, which is the higher hay. I'm trying to go a little quicker this week because I promised Eli Wallen that I'm not doing this next week. You see where I made a T? It's about 12 lines into the page. Just as in Karbonis, you're lifting up to one level of godliness and to a higher level of godliness and to a higher level of godliness, godliness still Birchas Kayanim is the reward for Karbanas in other words the carbon lifts up Birchas Kayanim blesses and it blesses in a similar fashion first the blessing comes from the lower Avaya and then from a higher Avaya God Almighty should bless you and guard you says the Zumidas Shmoir. This is the Midah of the Eibishter that Shomer. Shomer means it needs to be guarded. Godliness should by definition be secure. Elokus. Godliness is godly and godliness is pure. Godliness is holy. Godliness should be removed. The lowest level of godliness, especially the way it descends to have a relationship to the world, has to be guarded. The lowest why, level. Why does it have to be guarded? Because if you don't guard it, it can be abused, right? A lo- the lowest level of Avaya, the lowest level of Alakus, when it descends into the lower worlds, has to be guarded against Hasashalom losing its connectedness to the Avish. So the Apostlech says, Yevarecha Havaya. Havaya blesses you. But which Havaya is giving you the initial blessing? Which Havaya is giving you the blessing? The, the lowest level of Havaya. And therefore, V'yishmerecha. When you're getting a blessing from Havaya, from the Avish but in Ishtashos, it's a level of Avaya, which is, in context, the Avaya which has to do with creation that has to be guarded. Godliness which has to do with creation can be adversely affected by those of us who live in it. Hashem blesses you, but the blessing needs to be guarded, because it's not going to be self-guarded. Then it says, Yoyer Avaya. Hashem will radiate Havaya. Says It's a different Havaya. Technically speaking, for your care, this is Tferis. The first Havaya is Malchus, which means, to use other words, Havaya, that means creator. 
The second avaya means oir ein safe. Kavam tzai means teferis. And yoira the Shem says the Rebbe the Rebbe Nebuchadnezzar upon of pnei atzmai shebnei arachim. The countenance of this avaya means elakus as it is by itself. Which is a concept of mercy, and I'll explain to you what this means. I'll explain to you what this means. I'll try to make this quick, but it's worth it's very interesting discussion. The Rikanti here really lets it fly. I've had a discussion with you earlier this year. I think we talked about the big de Kahuna, about metach, about the forehead. You recall? What did I tell you about metach, about the forehead? That it can be looked at in two diametrically opposed ways. On the one hand, what is the forehead? It's nothing. Eyes, eyes serve a very vital purpose. Through my eyes, information enters me from the world. And according to mysticism, light radiates from those eyes. My ears allow information from the world to enter into me. And according to mysticism, there is a certain radiation that comes from my ears. And so on and so forth. My forehead blocks which is why in all the Rishonim all the Ramban and the Rebbe Nebuchadnezzar Pondim, face is Malchus, is a lower level is, is a level which has to be protected against no good stuff that's why it says you should have no other gods on my Pondim, what does that mean? in a place where godliness is concealed in Hasidus they take the same word and flip it the other way what does Pondim mean? the forehead of a person there's no orifices, there's no holes there's no venues for for entry and exit the essence of a person radiates on his forehead on a person's forehead you see the light you see the countenance you see this, the, the light of a person's soul is revealed on their face, on their forehead but it's just a little complicated because the forehead is also arriving to arriving which is Higher than Chochmah. Because Chochmah is already a sphere. That's not a problem. It's supporting this point. What's the complication? Isn't it more Ratzon? It's more like... It's Tainug. Tainug, which is Pneumius Hakeseh, which has a connection to Chochmah. The point is, you could... The same word, Ponim, countenance, can be viewed as being a place where Godliness is concealed. And it can be viewed as a place where the essence of Godliness is revealed. It's like in a person's face, on a person's face, there's more about him available than in the person's writings, in the person's ideas, in the person's feelings. You just have to know how to read the face. So we all thank God that the people around us don't know how to read faces. <laughs> and if they know how to read faces, they're kind enough to keep their mouths shut and not to reveal what they know. Rabbi Rubin always says that we use a mirror to determine how we look physically. But our spiritual image, the mirror we use, are people's faces. Well, I never heard him say that. When you look at someone's face and you see the way they look at you, if they look at you and they're happy to see you and they're glad to see you, you know, that's a reflection of you from their face. But if they look at you and they're not really happy to see you, they'd be a little upset that you're there. And that's also the mirror that's showing you that they don't, you are doing something wrong. There's something wrong with you. It's a pasuk. A person's face is like a mirror. Why a bottom can lay by chapter 46. Look it up. Oh. <laughs> Good. I'm happy you wrote it down. Uh, um, in any case, 
So the Pasuk says, Yod Hashem Ponov. Hashem is going to radiate Havaya Ponov. We translate Ponim in this context not the way the Mekubalim typically translated as being the concealment of godliness, but Yod Hashem Ponov to is translated by the Rabbeinu B'chayi, who normally doesn't translate Panem this way. Normally Rabbeinu B'chayi would translate Panem to mean taka concealment as being the radiation that you see in a person's face, which is revealed pretty much their essence. But understand that the word Panem is qualifying the word Havayim. Yoyer Hashem Panov. Because we're dealing with Panem, Havayim has a different taich. In other words, Kabbalistically, the same word has a totally different meaning based on the context. So, Hashem blesses you and the blessing needs to be guard, guarded. It tells you something about the Havaya from whence the blessing is coming. Hashem Ponov, the is going to give something called Ponim to you and it's going to affect Chain, Chanina, which I'll explain momentarily. It doesn't only translate the word Ponim. It translates to Havaya in this context that the youth gave off in this context is a much more premium than the Madrege, the Madrege of Rachamim. Mercy. This is the second level of, of, of revelation of. of okay. Which is Ein Sof. Right. And when Ein Sof makes it into this world. Which is beyond time, right? That's what you it's, it's safe. It's not just beyond time, it's beyond detail. So it's not just that time is unified, creation is one. So the lowest level of youth gave off, the lowest level of Havaya, recognizes that there's a world. Recognize that there's a world, you have to preserve its presence in the world. The second level of Avayat, from its point of view, the world is one with Hashem, so its presence in the world cannot be compromised by the world, so you don't have to guard it. Oh. Like it says in Hasidus, like when something is pure, like water or oil, it could be impure, so you have to guard it. When something is holy, like fire and like light, it doesn't need to be guarded because it doesn't have the possibility of becoming impure. As the Pasuk says, My words are as fire. And fire is self, it's removed from the other elements. It can't be contaminated. So the Rebbe says, the Rabbi Rebbe says, This is Teferis, the middle Kav. Upanov means, Listen to my translation. His face means, his face in relationship with himself, as opposed to the relationship with the world, which is the face of compassion. Then comes Yisa Hashem, and again it says Ponov. The Ebeshtu will lift up Ponov, Elecha, and give it to you, and give you peace. Listen to the translation of these words. Hu Habino. Havaya in this case is not Malchus. Havaya in this case is not Midas, not Tiferes. It's Bina. It's understanding. The third one now. Bina. The third level. Umilas Tonov and the denotation of the word countenance in this context, Himidas Apachad is the midah of fear, don't get nervous. Shayisalkenami Allah will remove it from upon you. Va'az Basiluka and by removing it from upon you, Yasabakashalam is going to give you peace. Now listen to me. Listen to me carefully. Here's how I think you should translate the words. Yisa Hashem Panov. Hashem is going to lift up his face to a level that's even higher than face. Eilecha, and give that to you. Yair Hashem Ponov means he's going to radiate his face to you. Yisa Hashem Ponov means he's going to lift up his Ponim, 
his face to a level that's higher than Panim, Elachan, that's what he's going to give to you. In other words, if the Panim, if the face of Hashem represents a level of godliness, it doesn't have to be guarded. Yisah Hashem Panim means lifting up godliness to a level which is above the level of godliness that needs to be guarded. And the Yasam HaShalom is going to give you peace. Let me tell you the point. Let me tell you the point. I want you to know something. That in most Kabbalists, including Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar, do you know what Bina is called? In the Shalah, he never uses the word Bina. Never. He uses the word Tshuva. And I'll explain why. I'll explain why. You need to understand, we have a very narrow perspective in Kabbalah. We have just the narrow Kabbalah found in Hasidus. But Kabbalah has many different languages. They're not contradictory. They're just different forms. In Kabbalah, Bina, Tiferes, and Malchus is not three aspects in a world. It's three worlds. And the basic issue is this. The basic issue is this. Okay? There are three levels of connectedness between man and God. Three levels of connectedness between godliness and man. The first level of connectedness between man and God is to achieve purity. Clean yourself up. Clean up your mind. Clean up your heart. Do what a human being can do to come close to Hashem. As close as you come to God, you, you can always mess up. You need to be guarded. Where's the example for this? What that means? You have to guard the matzah. It shouldn't become leavened. There's a second level, however. The second level is that a person has purified themselves and God has given them the gift of holiness, the light. When one has been given the gift of holiness, they don't need to be guarded anymore. They're guarded. Because the light lifts them, puts them into a whole different place. Which is also represented by the matzah. Leil Shimurim, a night that guards itself. You keep your doors unlocked. Laila Kayyim Yaris as a Hasidus every year, the first night of Passover is like day. You don't have to do what God does. In Egypt, it was represented by until midnight and after midnight, before midnight, to guard the matzah. After midnight, the matzah is self guarded. We have both of those matzahs in the same kazayas, the same piece of bread that we eat has the aspect you have to guard. The matzah has become a chometz, and the matzah is self-guarded. The original is matzah base. Yeah. But there's a constant here. And the constant here is that there's an assumption that you've been doing the right thing. On the first level, you've been doing the right thing, but since you're on a level of purity, you need to be guarded. On the second level, not only have you been doing the right thing, God has given you the gift of holiness, you no longer need to be guarded. What happens if a person has sinned? Party's over. <laughs> it's it. Finished. Ois mensch. You can purify yourself. The Abish should give you the gift of holiness. What if you mess up? What happens then? Now, let's all be honest. It's always preferable not to sin and to sin and to repent. That's, I think we would agree to that. Listen, listen carefully to me. If a person has done an Aveda, a person has sinned, God forbid, yes? What happens then? Party's over. Right? Because you, you can't get to the first level. You can't get to the first level. So the Abishti gave us a gift. God Almighty gave us a gift. 
and I've, I've shared this with you many times in the past, there's a whole lumbus and achreinim, where they are going to do tshuva. Because tshuva is a gift from God. What is the gift of tshuva? To use conventional Hasidic terminology, it's the 13 attributes of mercy, which are higher than Ishtaslus. Does anybody know the name for the 13 attributes of mercy? I'll give you one guess. Havaya. But it's a different Havaya. It's called Sag. Or Bina. You know why Bina is called Tshuva? Because in the mystical world, the world of the Kabbalists, Mokama Tshuva Bina, the place from which a Jew can sin and come back to God is a Bina. We speak about Kesed. The Kabbalists speak about Bina. Same difference. Here's the deal. The different Havayas. I should give us different gifts. Hashem gives us the gift to empower us to be pure, and He guards us. Hashem then gives us the gift to be holy, and provides us with chain, which I'll get to momentarily. Then this Yisa Hashem Hashem lifts up His ponem to a higher madrege, gives that to you to create peace. That's the idea. And there's a level of godliness that's so high that sees a Jew on a level where there is no sin. There's a level of godliness where not only can a Jew serve the Eivishter, but a Jew who has sinned can correct his sin and correct his sin, as the Gemara says, Zdenis Nas like Yizachis, but it's retroactive, as though they've never sinned. It's a third Havai. That sag? Oh, that's not sag. That's Sag. Sag, which is the same thing as Bina, a.k.a. also known as Shuva. The third level. The third level. So this is the chapter third pasuk. Yisa Hashem Panavelachas is a third havaya. There's a third havaya. It's a havaya which lifts up Panim to a place where a yid can even reverse a tumah. They've contaminated themselves spiritually, which means they've totally disqualified themselves from holiness for sure, but perhaps even from purity. And the Abishah can heal a yid, and they should be able to be pure and possibly holy again. In other words, let me say it to you from a wider perspective. How did the Jews serve God? He uses his mind, he uses his heart, he uses his senses. When a person has sinned and does trouble, what does he do? He uses his guts. <laughs> he uses his kishkas. The force, the power of tshuva comes from a place of such deep inner pain and frustration. Right? Right? How is it described in Zohar? The the pain of the sin brings forward a force and a power which a tzaddik simply doesn't have. You know why? Because they haven't sinned. The Lashon in Tanya, chapter 7, the Altenebbe says, when a person does tshuva, the Aveda becomes a merit. You know why? Because the motivation of the tshuva is the sin itself. The force of tshuva if you are not if you are sin as a chain, a shackle that holds you down, and you're pulling to rip yourself away from that imprisonment, and when you succeed in pulling yourself away, your inertia, your momentum in the other direction is compounded by the earlier resistance. The Aveda empowers the Truva. This is the third Havaya. 
Hashem gives you a blessing needs to be guarded. It's a lower Havaya. Remember, the translation of the word Yudke Vavke changes. Hashem gives you a second Havaya that comes from His Pneumius. It doesn't need to be guarded. And it gives you Chain. I want to stop and explain the word Vichoneka. This is the same one that can't be described. Yes, it's the third one you said has no... That the corollary doesn't, it breaks down there. I, I, I gave you my introduction as an overview. It's actually another level of aim safe. You give them 13 attributes of mercy. No, it's, it's, I knew when I said my introduction that you would, somebody would this. I wanted to hold it. Yeah, that third level is out of the ballpark, I think. I introduced it to give you a panorama, but it's not relevant in, the, in this particular case. I want to turn to the word chain. I've talked about the word chain before. The word chain is grace, charm, appeal, magnetism, right? Now, is chain a good thing or a bad thing? Depends who you ask. If you ask King Solomon, what does he say? Sheker hachein. Chain is false. The translation of chain chosen by Rabbi Mangel and multiple translators of the Siddur is vanity. Vanity is false. But that's not the translation of the word chain. That's translation of the context. The translation of the word chain means appeal. If a person has magnetism, and a person has an appeal and an attractiveness, and inside they're ugly, their external appeal lies. It deceives, it tricks. Correct? So it's a bad thing. Alternatively, if a person is beautiful on the inside, and on top of that beauty, they have a chain. The chain makes them even more beautiful. A Jew is pure. That's purity. And purity always needs to be guarded. There's another blessing. A blessing of light. A blessing of holiness. A blessing that doesn't need guarding. That gives you not just purity, but beauty. is the idea that even if he is a sin, he can also do truth. Which means in the life of a tzaddik, if a person is a tzaddik, and the chief purity, the chief holiness, this is a transcendent level. It means to say, the level of becoming one with Hashem. It's not a level of being a servant of Hashem as a pure servant or as a holy servant, but becoming actually one with Hashem. Like, like Shimba Yechai said. I'm, I'm adding a lot to the Rabbeinu Bechaya, but, but I think this is what he's saying. And that's why he finishes off, Yorad Hashem Ponav. Yisad Hashem Ponav. Hashem lifts up his Ponim. Elachad gives that to you. Bina, Tshuva. That's where real peace comes from. Real peace means bridging the highest levels and the lowest levels. Bringing together all contradictions, all opposites. Can I just ask for the neutral translation of Yisal ken amelach. If you remove it from upon you. Pachad means judgment. And judgment is associated with sin. You understand? So normally it's there. If a person has done an Aveda, there's pachad. There's a, there's a prophet that the shame shouldn't remove from you this... No, no, you're reading incorrectly. Well, Milas pon of he, the word pachad denotes, midas ha-pachad, that this presence of the midas ha-pachad, he'll take it away. In other words, why would a person have midas ha-pachad? So the Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar doesn't say, but I am telling you, and you'll see later on, I can confirm this in other commentators, you've done an Aveda, you follow? And the Aveda needs to be corrected. And you saw Allah, even the evil of an Aveda can be removed from a level which is higher than say the Ishtashmas. You follow? 
you clarify one point? This has a relationship also to the 13 attributes of mercy. It is the 13 attributes of mercy. Okay. The Rambam says in Nicol 2 in third or fourth chapter that there are certain averas from which one cannot do chuba. I mean, that's the, not, not many, but there are certain ones which a person that is. If indeed one, this sin is a motivating factor for the chuba, and the chuba is provides redemption to the individual, mm-hmm. it's difficult to fit that with the Rambam for those instances where chuba may not be possible. As I recall, I don't think the wording is that you can't do chuva. It can't be forgiven. It can't be atoned. Exactly, it is a considerable difference. Which you cannot receive chuba. I mean, you may, you may not be able to receive Kapoda, atonement. And yes, Apinigla is on a certain level. There is this credibility to that. Doesn't the author ever say that Hashem doesn't give the, give you the opportunity to do chuba? No, the examples are oranges. So if I wanted to save time and be diplomatic, I would say, we're not talking about those sins, we're talking about the rest of the sins. <laughs> but I had the sickness of honesty, I do have that sickness. So I want you to know that in Hasidus, in Hasidus, the Alter Rebbe talks about doing tshuva even for Avedis, which you cannot do tshuva for. And it's, it's a whole discourse. In other words, there are different levels of tshuva. Certain types of tshuva, classic tshuva, cannot affect correction for these sins, higher, more extreme, more radical levels of tshuva can correct even those things as well. Because the same Rambam also writes that nothing stands in the way of tshuva. A person wants to do tshuva, nothing can stand in, in, in between him and tshuva. And I want to just add, without going into it, that the Rebbe has many, many discourses, many sikhs on tshuva, on the Rambam's tshuva, on the tshuva. And you can actually learn in Rambam itself the various different dimensions of tshuva that are discussed in, in Hasidic literature. In other words, the levels of tshuva where you cannot atone for a sin of Qadis versus the level of tshuva where you can atone for the sin of Qadis. I'll just give you one set of words, a set of language. There's, there's tshuva, and there's something called midarkya tshuva, the ways of tshuva. So the Rebbe explains, there's so many sikhs on it, essentially that you can do tshuva for a sin, and you can, what are the words they use today? You can remake yourself. You can make yourself into a new person. Yourself. Reinvent yourself. When you're doing tshuva, you're the same person who's a sin and repented. The effectiveness of that tshuva has its measure. Rambam says, Midarkia tshuva, uh, the ways of tshuva is to go back and turn over every stone. To literally go back and undo the chilo Hashem that you created so that the chilo Hashem is erased. And the higher concepts of tshuva also hinted at in Hilchus Tshuva provide for the possibility for atonement of those sins that the classic Tshuva cannot atone for. Point well taken. So this is the Rabbeinu Bachaya. Now, forgive me, let's go to the Rikanti. Which means you have to turn your stable to the right and flip three more pages. Rei Samachai Va'ani I skipped the Ramban, depending on the clock, either will or won't go back. This Rikanti is Mamash Tarabayna Bahaya. If you pay attention, he even almost quotes his words. The shtickle before is the Ramban, which I've deliberately skipped because the Ramban takes a different approach to the whole issue. But realize now what we've done. What have we added to the discourse? 
Rashi does exactly the same thing. We've just added mysticism. The mysticism that we've added is Hashem is giving you three blessings. But it's not only giving you three blessings, the blessings are coming from three places, from three avayas. The lowest avaya is a blessing that needs to be guarded. The second avaya is a blessing which guards itself. And the third avaya can even heal iniquity and correct things. I'm gonna offer you my opinion, Mashanita, that's in my view, which is the opinion of the Kabbalists. The paragraph before was Ramban. On the next page he brings in huge elaborate detail a sefer habohir. But in the middle he tells you his opinion. His opinion is the Rabbein Abchayas. you may know, you're gonna have to trust me, people now. The Midah judgment which means Malchus. Because Malchus is the idea of contracting and limiting. Nikras Shomer Yisrael. It guards the Jewish people. Vitargum Mishmeres Matras. The word Mishmeres means Matras, which means to guard. But Matras is Miloshed Matrunisa. Matrunisa means queen, as opposed to king. Malchus is the feminine. So, Din, Shmire, Malchus go together. So, what's the deal? Yivarach Adeshem. There's a blessing that comes from Hashem that needs to be guarded. Which blessing that comes from Hashem needs to be guarded? The guard, the level, the blessing which comes from the level that's, that's called guarding. It has a relationship with the world. And he says it alternatively. It's a hint to the measure which is called matatrain. Matatrain, if you haven't met him yet, is an angel. He's one of the few angels that's constantly on the move. He's a courier. He, he goes back and forth from Achilles to Yitzhide. If you haven't seen him, if they hang around the right places and you'll notice him. The Pesach says, I'm young and I'm also old. And he goes on Chanoich. Chanoich Because Chanoich became Malach Matatre. He shuffles back and forth between Achilles and Yitzhide. When he's in Achilles, he's called old. When Yitzhide, he's called young. Or vice versa, depending on which book you're reading. This Malach, the word Matatrein has a denotation of feminine and a denotation of guarding. When Hashem sends His energy into the world to sustain the world, what happens? He has to limit the energy. If it's too potent, the world will be able to take it. So Hashem sends energy into the world, so it should sustain the world, so He has to limit it. Since He has to limit it, it can be contaminated, so it needs guarding. Yerach Hashem is a blessing that comes from the Eibishter. But because it's coming in a measured way, you have to guard it. And the feminine aspect of it? That's right. The feminine aspect means Malchus, which is the place where the communication between Godliness and the world takes place. And therefore it needs to be guarded. And since, it flows, it brings the flow of life to the world. The blessing comes from there. It flows blessing to the world. But it needs to be guarded. Says the the order of the blessings according to this interpretation is The lowest blessing is first. You begin with the blessing of Israel. Again, you're gonna to have to take my word for it. This is Malchus. Which is Tiferes. But in saying, Hashem radiates His countenance upon you. The radiant face of Hashem, as opposed to doctor, the concealing face of Hashem. The Chayin Omer Azal says in Medrash Rashi brings it to Chumash. Yor the Shem Pon of Itlacham Oid upon the light of his face. The Oid Oile drum roll please. Lit Right? You see, so I don't make it up. 
The third, Havaya is Tshuva. Tshuva is Bina. What does that mean? A blessing from Havaya, that even if a Yid broke something, you can fix it and fix it retroactively. It's from higher than Ishtashas. The third, you have to be the mercy, basically. And then what level does that come from? Bina. In Ishtashas, it's Bina, or Sagi, as you called it. Va'amar Yisa the Shem Hashem lifts up his face and gives that to you. Who Hamelach Hell you, this is the higher king, which is Bina. Don't ask me why. Hamayshech Meshech Chachma Mepninim, who draws down a flow of Chachma Mepninim. Mepninim means from higher than Chachma, the Fnaibel of Nim, etc. Gimsesh HaKoyin, Umala Nashim Ilu, the Koyin, the priest, rises higher and higher and gives you greater and greater blessing. When the Koyin gets up there to bless you, he goes up to a high level, he blesses you, but a blessing needs to be guarded. He goes up to a higher level, he gives you a blessing which is self guarding. He goes up to a higher level which not only guards, it heals, it fixes. This is the Rikanti. Okay? Now, without any further ado, we're going to go to the Lakota Teira and read the exact same thing again in Hasidic framework. But if I say, in other words, what we have over here is everybody says the same thing. What did Rashi say? Let's remember Rashi, just for a moment. God should bless you materially. He should guard it, nobody should steal it from you. Yair Hashem Panevelech Hashem should shine his candles upon you. He should give you Panem Iris. Panem Shech has a radiant and a laughing face. Yisad Hashem Panevelech Hashem should live his days upon you. Dr. Ashi Yich Pesh Kaseh. He should suppress his anger. Exactly the same thing. From Pshutah Shal Mikra till Chasidah and everything in between. The Ebenezer is a philosopher. Says the same thing. The Kanti says exactly the same thing. Hashem gives you a blessing of abstract reasoning that's accessible to you. He gives you a level of abstract reasoning which you can only have with the assistance of the Malachim. And when you mess up on your abstract reasoning, He heals you. That's Yevarach Yisa. Everybody speaks their own language. Talks about what seems like totally different things. And they all describe precisely the same. In other words, there's such uniformity in Bechash Kainim. It's interesting. I've never seen anything like this. We're skipping two Kabbalahs here. There's a Ramban and a Bohir, which have totally different perspectives. But the, the majority of interpretations, are, everybody says the same thing. One says it in Portuguese, one says it in Greek, one says it in Polish. I'm sorry, one says it in... <laughs> but they're all saying the same thing. I think it's fascinating. Even though it's a little bit redundant, but it's interesting to see how everybody speaks their own language and they all say the same thing. Now we'll get to Hasidus. What's the difference in Hasidus and Kabbalah in context? Tell me what you want me to help you with. I'll be happy to help you. The, uh, the third level... is called Tshuva. Right, but that is... Maybe it's just... Just a way of reading it, but it's connected. Yer Hashem Panav Eilecha Yitam Lecha Mi'or Fanim no, no, no. The has to be read with the Va'amar. You have to read it with the Va'amar. First of all, the, I understand. So, first of all, the punctuation may be wrong. That's okay. Second of all, even if it isn't, it's not uncommon for the punctuation to have to be read the other way, notwithstanding the way it's punctuated. And there are reasons. But for sure, I'm not. I have no doubt about it. That v'oid oil the goes with the v'yom. He just wants to link the two ponims. It's not two different ponims. It's the same ponim, but the same ponim is oil the truva. It's 
thing. Oh. You're the Shem Pana Vilachem, and he's a Shem Pana, it's not two oh. Panas, it's the same uh, Pana. He's a Shem Pana Vilachem. And it says there's, in the first, Ya'er Shem Pana Vilachem, and Yisa Shem Pana Vilachem. So he's connecting the two. Oh, good. And the first one is Me'or Panim, which is uh, radiance, and the next one is that Tshuva. The possibility for Tshuva. The blessing for the... What does Hasidus add to this question? Hasidus asks this question a very simple thing. Hasidus doesn't talk about God. He talks about people. <laughs> In other words, Yevedach HaZemish Belecha is giving you giving you a blessing that needs to be protected. Yevedach HaShem Pani Belecha Vichoneka Hashem gives you a blessing which doesn't need to be protected. Yevedach HaShem Pani Belecha Hashem gives you the blessing of protecting you from yourself. How does Hasidus approach the same three Commentary. How does Hasidus approach the same three? Commentary. How? Ayid is a servant of the Eibushter. In serving Hashem, there are three levels. Listen to me. Ayid is a servant of the Eibushter. In serving Hashem, there are three levels. So, this is the Alter Rebbe. It's a classic mindset on blessing Bichas Kenim. There's a huge introduction. What happens in this Bichas Kenim? The Alter Rebbe goes off on this huge tangent. About of all things, Birchas Hamazah. You may recall that Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar said this. That the Malachim asked the Ebishter, why are you giving the Ebishter such favoritism? So the Ebishter says, oh, they, 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 You say in your Torah, You don't have favorites. And you can't be bribed. So how come you said, Yisa Hashem Ponov? The translation of Yisah Hashem Ponov means Hashem lifted His face upon you. But you could translate Yisah Hashem Ponov that Hashem will show you favoritism. Favoritism. Favorite nation status. So the Malachim said to the Ebishter, You're like Yisah Ponov, you don't show favoritism. You know what the Ebishter answers? They show me favoritism, I shouldn't show them favoritism. What is the favoritism you show the Ebishter? The Dapitheda, the Pasuk says, V'yachalta v'savata uverachta. Eat, be satisfied and bless. V'hei medaikim atabeya kazayah. They eat one little piece of bread and they're blessing me already. So they're showing me deference. They're showing me favoritism. They give me more than I ask. So I reciprocate it. That's what it says in the Medish. We had this Medish in the Rebbein of Achayim. So the Alter Rebbe goes to the whole Maimish to explain Now remember, this is also Hasidus. In other words, it's based on Kabbalah. So the difference is not only in the word Yivarecha and Yoyer and Yisra, and in the word Yishmerecha and Kuneka, Yichuneka and Sholem. It's in the Havaya. Yivarecha Hashem and Yishmerecha means something different than Yoyer Hashem. It's a different Hashem. It's a different Havaya. In other words, the, the fundamental difference between the Kabbalistic interpretations and the pre-Kabbalistic interpretations, because in the pre-Kabbalistic interpretations, Hashem means God, period. In Kabbalah, the names have translations, in, in Elokus, in levels of godliness. You understand? So, Hasidus conforms to that. But he explains it very interesting. He explains it in a reverse way, in a backwards way. The Medrash is implying... That when you eat a full meal and you bless Hashem, you're delivering the goods. You eat a kazayit and you bless Hashem, you're doing something extra. Right? Interprets the Al-Tareba, what is food? Food is tayra. You're eating your fill of tayra. 
and you bless God, of course. You've tasted a drop of Teda. What do you know about Teda? How do you appreciate Teda? And you still bless God. I owe you a favor. You get it? He takes the Medrash and translates it in a way which is opposite of the intuition. Not when you've eaten less and bless God, you're doing something better. You don't own the blessing and blessing him anyway. You have such a small mind. Your capacity for Tata is so deficient. All you can eat of the bread of Tata is the equivalent of a Kazayas. And you're thanking him. I owe you a favor. Do you follow? Hey, this is the same notion again. means God is blessing you for your valuing his Tata. You're eating his food. And you've eaten your fill. In other words, you're a Talmud Chacham, you're a Lamdan, you're a pious person, you're a, a pure person, and you're blessed with the gift of holiness. Of course you're going to bless the Eibishter. You're Kamayid, you're Billy Observant, you learn a piece of Teda, and you thank the Eibishter. The Eibishter owes you the greatest gift of all. So there's a consistency here. In other words, this simple person who eats a Kazayas of Teda and is blessing the Eibishter, this is this notion of Tshuva. It's beyond. You're giving very little, but that very little is more than the Talmud Chochem's a lot. Because you're giving in spite of the fact that you don't have an appreciation for the Tater. So the Abish to give you in spite of the fact, or on a level that, you don't deserve the blessing. So the Al-Tarab had this long discourse, which we're not going to learn because we don't have till 1.30 in the morning. So it goes off on a huge, huge discourse. In other words, two-thirds of the mind it doesn't talk about Bechaz it's about food. But the nimshal of food is tayra. And it's literally less is more. You learn a little tayra and you value it. The only schad that you can get is something which is completely beyond your, your deserving. Now let's use classic Chabad language, Hasidic language. Classic Hasidic language is we know that there is something called Isarusa de la Tata and something called Isarusa de la Isarusa latata means an arousal from below. Isarusa Leila means an arousal from above. Isarusa latata essentially means when we give God. Isarusa Leila means when God gives us. Now, there's a lot of possibilities. The first possibility is that we're sleeping. There's a concept of a Jew serving Hashem. When a Jew serves Hashem, when a Jew serves Hashem, yeah, he deserves a reciprocity, he deserves something back. How much do you deserve from Hashem for approaching Him? It's all proportional to how you approached Him. You give the Abish to 10%, the Abish tells you 10%. You give the Abish to 25%, the Abish tells you 20%. It's called schar. What does schar mean? Compensation, reward, right? What is the first concept of compensation? There's the laws of the marketplace. Fair or not fair, but it's tit for tat. You get what you gave. Schar is compensation, it's payment. You serve the Eibishter, Isaruzid Latata, you approach Hashem, Isaruzid Layla, he reciprocates it. The blessing is proportional, it's measured. Right? So let's look at the bottom of the right column, the Hine. The initial blessing, which Hashem gives us. But the initial blessing is the result, 
it's compensatory, it's a reaction to an arousal from below. We serve Hashem, yeah, right? I am to my beloved. I, right, I approach Hashem. Hashem reciprocates. How much does Hashem give me? It's very simple, depends what I gave him. Because the Vedaidili is a reaction to my Anila Daidi. Right, so the Hine, Abrahazu, when the Abish he gives us a blessing. But his blessing is a reaction to our Avoidah. Which is the translation of the next two words. Shahi mi it aruta dilatata. That abbreviation means it aruta, which is Aramaic for hit orut, an arousal dilatata from below. Nemavishmaracha. When Hashem gives you what you deserve, what's called schar, compensatory reciprocity, reciprocation, if they guard it. You earn, you work, you earn something from the Ebishtar. The Ebishtar gives you what you deserve, you have to protect it. Okay, and he uses a lot of fancy Kabbalistic words to denote that you need to guard it. That's the first level. Now, go to the next column, five lines from the top. After you have an arousal from below and the Abishta blesses you, there is a There's a second blessing. Listen to this carefully. This would be in the Hasidic terminology and in Halachic terminology the equivalent of a matana, right? What does the word schar mean? What does schar mean? We translate schar as reward, but accurately schar means compensation compensation is measurable correct what does matana mean what is a gift a gift means something which is more than you've earned in the marketplace what do we call gifts bonuses today when you write a bonus in that contract it's it's no longer a bonus it's just a tax evasion technique but what's a bonus you work for an employer, he pays you a salary, you've done a good job, and he gives you something extra at the end of the year. Do you deserve it or not? If you didn't deserve it, he wouldn't give it to you. If he deserves it, you can collect it in a court of law. So which is it? It's in between. The Talmud, the Gemara, speaks about matanas, about gifts, and refers to them in the following framework. If you wouldn't do that person a favor, he wouldn't give you a gift. A gift is earned in what you would call an indirect mechanism. You don't deserve it on the level of schar. It's not tit for tat. It's not dollar for services. But you've done something to earn to be given a special mention, to be given a special merit. That's the title. Hashem shines His countenance down upon you and gives you chen. Chen means that grace, that charm, that appeal that I spoke about earlier. Do you deserve it? No. Do you not deserve it? No. You've, the, the, the language that I adopted in the beginning, you've purified yourself. You deserve the blessing of purity. You earned it. Holiness is a gift from the Eibishter. But He doesn't give it to you for nothing. He gives it to you because you've done the best you could. So you deserve it or don't deserve it? You deserve it indirectly. You follow? Mm-hmm. And this kind of gift doesn't need to be guarded. And this is also like a tetheris, is it the same? This is the second level. That's right. As the Pasuk says, When a person gives his heart to the Eibishter, which means you give Hashem a little bit, 
he affects that much more is given. You become much closer to the Eibishter. Or Veruach, Aisi Ruach. One spirit brings a second spirit. Ve'amshech Ruach and draws down a third spirit. That means to say, the, the way it's explained is, the Eibishter inspires you. So you should inspire yourself and get from the Eibishter a second Ruach, a second inspiration, which is beyond what you deserve for your own personal inspiration. That Hashem should radiate His countenance down upon you from the top to below. This person desires and thirsts and requests Hashem's infinite light should shine. The Eibishter gives it to him. Nobody deserves Ain Saif. You cannot. Right? We're finite. Correct? Mm. Our access is finite. When Hashem gives us schar, if we're earning it, the schar needs to be finite. But this finite person thirsts for the Ain Saif. Thirsting for the Ain Saif doesn't give you access to the Ain Saif. They wish gives it to you as a gift. You see, I underlined the word vichuneka. Mm-hmm. It's like ten lines in the end of the paragraph. Zel vichuneka lashon chayim. Hashem gives you this grace and this charm. But lashon chaniyeh, that Hashem rests and Hashem manifests. So, how do we understand the first two blessings of echas kainim? The context is a person eating food, teira, and is giving so much of himself and getting back an equal amount in return needs to be guarded but since this person thirsts for more Hashem gives him panav the pnimiyat of the Eibishter and it adds this element of grace and charm on the bottom of the page he says right, I underline the word Yisa Hashem panav you see it? he says Yisa Hashem panav what does it mean Yisa Hashem panav? Pirush Yisa, the translation of Yisa means Yagbiya Lamaila Ponov. He lifts up on high his countenance, his face. Shubachinas Giloy Hashpa, which means a revelation of his flow of nourishment, which is called Ponim, that Ubachinas Acherayim. Um, and the idea of Acherayim, which is Hiyashpah, uh, means the back, the opposite of Panim. Hiyashpah, which is the way the Eivishter gives the flow, she behest upon him, where his face is concealed. Keman de Shodi where Hashem throws over his shoulder. And Yisa Hashem Panav means the Hainu. Hashem should lift up to higher than Ishtashlus. Bibchinas, in a category of Hamagbihi. Which means Shamayim Va'aretz, the heaven and the earth, or Ruchnis Vagashmis, spirituality and the material, Shav and Lafanavis Barach, are the same as far as Hashem is concerned. Yisa Hashem Panim is Hashem lifts up his Panim to a place which is higher than Panim and Acharaim, higher than front and back. Front means getting what you deserve, back means getting what you deserve. But getting what you deserve has to do with how much you earn. If a person doesn't deserve, they get from the back of Hashem. If a person does deserve, they get from the countenance of Hashem. Yisa Hashem Panim is Hashem lifts up His Plimias to a place that even when you don't deserve, you should also get from His Panim. 
and he goes to talk about tshuva and golos and all those other fancy things. In other words, to, to sustain a uniformity, if Yevarach Hashem v'yishmelech is called schar, what does schar mean? Reward. Reward. Compensation. And Yod Hashem v'chanech will be called matana, a gift. What would you call Yisra Hashem v'chanech v'chanech Yes. Yerusha. Which means? An inheritance. What's the good news about being an heir? You can't be divorced. Right? You can't divorce genes. A man can divorce his wife, he can't divorce his kids. A woman can divorce her husband, she can't divorce her children. They're one. In other words, I'm adapting the term Yerusha. The Rebbe doesn't use that language, but it's very helpful to us. means the is giving you a reward. And it has to be protected. The is giving you a gift. Do you deserve it? Yes or no? You don't deserve it. Not at all. But you're a Jew. And the Abish gives it to you because you're a Jew. You follow? To summarize, again, I, I'm repeating myself, the summary of this whole discourse is that any level of Teda you look at gives us a constant translation of the Bechaz Kedem. In the subsequent Maimir, he, he repeats, this Maimir has a commentary, a biur, and he repeats the same ideas over again. But we're going to stop right here, we're going to finish it right here. Anybody have any comments? There's so much more here. I just want to share with you one little additional component, if you don't mind, okay? That is that there's three Havayas. We have the Rabbeinu Bahaya speaks about it briefly, and the Rekante speaks about it at length. If you're interested in looking inside, it's on page Laman Dalek. We have three Yudke Vavke, three names of Hashem, Yudke Vavke. We're going back to the Rekante. We're going back to the Rekante. The explains the Rabbeinu Bahaya. The three shames, Yudke Vavke, is twelve, twelve letters. And the the Bohir, Sefer Abohir, which is written by Mechunya Ben Akona, before Rabbi Akiva, before Rabbi Shimba Yechoi, before Zeyeb, before Sefer Yitzhire, um, says that this is Shem Ben Yud Beis. It's the name of Hashem which has twelve letters. For those who are not familiar, there's many names of God. There aren't that many that are mentioned in the Shas. Very few, in fact, mentioned in the Shas. One of the few, one of the handful of names that the Abish mentioned in the Gemara and the Rambam made in the explains each one of the names mentioned in the Shas. It's Shem Yud Beis, the name Yud Beis. Says he, this is the three Havayas. Yud K Vav K times three is the Shem Yud Beis. Then he says, each one of these Havayas is 24. Each of the three that compose 12, each one that is 24. Why? Oh. Because if you have four letters and you want to arrange Tzirufim, write the letters in different orders. You get 24 possibilities. 24 possibilities. So you have 24 and 24 and 24 which equals 72. <laughs> now, 72 is the Gematria Chesed. 72 represents the highest level, the highest level of Avaya. We had 45, mm-hmm. 52, 63 and um, and 72 
But he explains that the 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 three avayas, which represent uh, each one has 24 possibilities, or it adds up to a total of 72, corresponds to he calls it chesed, yamin, smile, the right side, the left side, and emes. He calls it the middle. He calls it um, emes. And he mentions this one more thing I'm going to tell you that the Kayanim, the, the Nesim, the princes, when they brought gifts and they brought 24 oxen, Chavdal part of 24 oxen. So Sefer Aboy says the mathematical significance of the 24 oxen, it corresponds to the Chavdal solutions in 24 different ways we can arrange the Shema Vaya, the Ebishtah's name. One more little thing that he says is very interesting. I mentioned to you before that Havaya, Yud Kevavki, has three definitions, correct? One of the three definitions of Yud Kevavki is Hoya Hoya past, present, and future. The Berchas Kayanim have 60 letters. 60 letters. The first Pasuk has 15 letters. The second Pasuk has 20 letters. And the third Pasuk has... 25? 25 letters. So, the the Vedavachaya says as follows. You read the three letters, the, 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 the three Havayas, the first one is Ka, Yud, K is 15. The second one is Ha, Ya, He, Yud, He, which is 20. And the third one is Yehi, Yud, He, Yud. And he says that basically... Ko, Hoya, and Yehi is Hoiva, Hoya, Yehiya, past, present, future. Hoya, Hoiva, Yehiya, he says, in other words, hinted mm-hmm. in the numerical equivalencies of the three psukim of Yutke Vavke is this idea of past, present, and future being converged into one. Look on page Lamed Hay. Look on the Rebbe Mechaim page Lamed Hay. It's six lines from the top. It says Yud K. I made a 15 above it. You see? Yeah. Haya is 20. And Yiyya is 25. You see? Yes. That Yud K means was. I, I, I don't know how that works because Yud K is 15. And... Hoive is 16, not 15, but this is what he says. Hoya is past, and Yehi is future. And what is that coming to tell us, though? It's coming to tell us that the blessing of Bechas Kedim comes from a place which is higher than time.